We're wondering about your experience, if you've had it, of trying to secure a place in a Limerick nursing home for a loved one. How easy is it? Do let us know. Um, in a society where we've seen closures of nursing homes, what is the future looking like for those who need the services? A newly formed support group for smaller family-run nursing homes says there's a real threat of more closures. And joining us is Shane Scanlon from the Alliance, a support network for nursing homes. You're welcome, Shane. Good morning to you. Good morning and thanks for having me on and good morning to all your listeners. And just clarify first, who exactly do you represent? So the Alliance of Support Network for Nursing Homes, we represent 33 small family or single-owned nursing homes from County Kerry in Limerick up to Donegal, Dublin, the Midlands, all over the country really. Mm. And tell us a bit about your own direct experience. Um, so currently I'm a director of nursing for a family-run nursing home in Listowel. Um I've been here a year previous to that. I was a director of nursing for St. Paul's and Dewar's Isle for six years. Okay, so you know Limerick well and obviously the wider region as well, as you mentioned just there in North yeah. Kerry. Yeah. Uh, so how have you seen that change and the pressures on the service overall come to the fore? Yeah, so I suppose, you know, with the cost of inflation gone up for everyone, you know, that's hit every business, um, nursing homes included. And what we've seen is a huge cost in the delivery of services um, for nursing homes up and down the country. Uh, You know, we're funded by the National Treatment Purchase Fund. So I suppose what we've seen in other industries around the country is that with the rise in inflation, they've been able to increase their costs. Unfortunately, nursing homes are not in a position where they can do that because their rates are set by a government body. Um, and due to that, the stress has come on. We've, we've seen 18 closures last year. Um, and I suppose we looked at what were the commonalities in relation to all the closures, regardless of maybe the individual reasons. And we looked and we saw that, you know, they had the lowest nursing home rates generally in the country. They had less than 50 beds. They were rural-based or based in a small um, urban area, or maybe they were in a large urban area, but they were in a small community within that area, um, and that they were family or single-owned. So that was something that all the nursing homes that our support group contains um, had in common. Those are the actual nursing homes that are closing and, and are at risk. Indeed, so, and you would yeah. imagine, Shane Scanlon from the Alliance, that uh, you it is certainly an area where you would want a mix, wouldn't you, of the, yes. the smaller family-run nursing home. And then there is a need, it's clearly in your larger urban areas, for bigger facilities too. There is, of course. You know, I suppose the, the thing about the smaller uh, rural nursing homes, they're actually in line with the national policy for the decongregation of social services. Um, and, you know, they play a very important part in their community. Sometimes that nursing home could be the biggest employer in that community. It means that residents who are in that community can remain to be cared in that community and not have the requirement, as you said, to maybe travel to a large urban area into a larger nursing home. Um, you know, our services are very important uh, and it's multifactorial. Mm. And why is there this difference in the funding? Why do some get far less than others. Yeah, so like at the moment it's it's what we would call a three-tier hopelessly fragmented funding structure for nursing homes. So um, currently at the moment 
you have a situation where four out of five vulnerable elderly residents are funded under what's called the maximum price model, which is given to private and voluntary nursing homes. Um, public nursing homes are afforded a cost of care model for their residents. Now, this is where the differences lie. Public nursing homes get between 50 to 70% additional funding due to the fact that they actually have a cost of care model. Now, nursing homes are under a maximum price model, which is essentially set at a county rate per nursing home. Um, nursing home owners that are listening here will know it's essentially when, you, when you're looking for a rate for your residents, it's essentially back. So, so it's important to point yeah. this out. So in yeah. that case, it doesn't follow the, the person. It doesn't follow the cost of care requirements. Not, not on an individual basis, no. No. It doesn't. And, you know, within that maximum price model, you see huge irregularities as well. Like, for example, there would from the rates that the majority of our residents receive per week versus um, the residents of nursing homes in Dublin could be up to 33%. And I suppose from our perspective, like we're all regulated by the same standards set out by HICWA and the Office of the Chief Inspector. You know, we all are required to deliver the exact same service, but... You know, then you have another wing of the government, the National Treatment Purchase Fund, that are giving varying levels of funding when it's a, it's a very serious thing we do. And, you know, there's 14,000 extra nursing home beds required by 2031, and um, the further closures of small nursing homes are going to impact massively. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, Shane, the thing is, you know, the demographics are changing, and more of us are getting older, yeah. and then people who go into nursing homes, thankfully often live longer you know their general health is better with the advances that we've seen Uh, medicine is better care overall has improved it has yeah and um you know but the demand for nursing home beds is going to really start increasing now in the next three four years so we were above in the doll on tuesday um and it was an oroctus briefing um, for all TDs and senators that could attend, and there was good attendance. And like what we did was we presented what we believed would be the fairest um, model of funding, and you know essentially a cost of care model. So what we said would be fair is that each resident would receive a single weekly base rate of funding for all residents in all nursing homes up and down the country. Second to that, that the nursing home would receive additional funding for services they provide. Maybe you have a physio on a day or two a week or maybe even full-time. Maybe you have a specified model of care. Maybe it's dementia-specific. Maybe you have a small decongregated setting in a rural area and the likelihood of services being replaced in that area if you were to close would be very low. Maybe you are in a large urban environment and the cost of living is a bit higher for your staff. And thirdly, and this is the most important aspect um, of what we presented, that there would be additional funding related to the dependency level of each individual resident. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's so that's where it follows the resident, as yes. it were, and the yes. specific yeah. care needs yeah. of the resident. Where does Fair Deal fit into any of this? Well, the Fair Deal scheme, I suppose, is for individual residents, and they'll be assessed, um, again, on an individual basis. And so there'll be varying... Um, different but just levels. understand, it doesn't yeah. have any specific impact on the amount of funding for the nursing home, does it? Well, it's the National Treatment Purchase Fund will right. set out the rate that you're paid for um, under the Fair Deal And that varies that too, open. to go back to what you were saying earlier. Yeah, ma- a massive extent, right. yeah. yeah. And it, do, it does seem strange that the model can't be streamlined 
and 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 taking uh, you know reasonable account of the variances that you might expect that there would be sufficient funding. Yes. So, for example, maybe you have. Uh, 30, 35 bed facility and maybe the majority of your residents are maximum dependency and maybe some of them have a severe cognitive impairment. The cost of actually delivering that service is huge and that, and like if you were a public and, and nursing... And remind me, was there not... Yeah. I, I, sorry, I, this is yeah. entirely from memory now, but my memory is that th- there was an analysis done on this and I think uh, Brian McHenry who's a very well known um, uh, accountant in Limerick led this analysis and was talking to us at at one stage and and the key recommendation there was exactly as you've said that account would be taken of the care requirements of the individual when it came to the funding following it. Yes, absolutely. And, and has it just sat on the, fin- on the shelf? But that is the case for one in five elderly residents in a nursing home, but they're in a public nursing home. Right. That, and that is very much taken into account. But if you have really high dependency levels, and that's what we're seeing in nursing homes up and down the country, yeah, your funding model isn't going to change to meet their care needs. And, you know, that's, that's where the stress, the root cause of all closures is coming back to the funding model. The Minister Butler herself, she cited various different reasons for closures, like retirement of an owner, which... Well, what I wondered yeah. was, and I was going to ask you that, it, is a factor here the fragmentation of the sector caused by the massive stresses of the pandemic? It's, it, there was certainly a lot of stress, but, um, you know, I think that was a separate crisis and now we're in a cost of care crisis, so I don't want to join the two, but it was certainly a very stressful event that a lot of, you know, owners may have decided to, uh, you know, leave the industry and maybe sell, but they certainly just wouldn't retire and close. And is it true, yeah. too, that some nursing homes have changed what they do? That, in other words, they, they are involved, for example, in uh, taking in refugees? Well, that was something a couple of months ago. Um, that there were certain instances, but the minister brought in legislation that um, that couldn't occur with nursing homes. I mean, I'm not, I don't know any of nursing homes or operators that took that decision maybe at the time. But what I will say is this, is that if you, if your nursing home has a long-term viability, you're not going to stop caring for residents and close the nursing home aspect to take in Ukrainians for a short-term gain. If, if a nursing home is uh, closing, it's closing because they're not viable long-term. Yes. And the root um, cause, it goes right back to the root cause of funding right. for and, each and, individual and, resident. And Shane, what prospect is there, based on uh, the um, issues that you've raised and the case that you've made, that we will see the reform you're looking for? Well, we met with Minister Butler in, in Dal Éireann on, on the 24th of January and she said it was of um, the utmost importance for the continuation of services for small nursing homes. She advised us that she would be announcing counter-stabilising measures for the sector, specifically smaller family-owned nursing homes in the coming weeks. Now, that didn't occur and we've attempted to engage with her numerous times since, but unfortunately the only correspondence we received from her was um, two schemes. So there was a temporary assistant payment scheme which was in place um, during COVID. That's now coming to an end in April. And also the TIP scheme, which was essentially set up last year to support nursing homes with the rising energy costs. And that's now finishing up in March. So the only correspondence is the two, only two supports lifelines we had 
through two crises in the last couple of years are now ending, but no further measures have been announced. And, you know, I've, I've tried to have a couple of meetings with her okay. since and well, our alliance has but like at okay. this stage I've requested an emergency meeting with her on the matter right. and we await her response Alright, very good. Well listen, thank you very much for talking to us this morning. That's Shane Scanlon from the Alliance, a support network for uh, smaller nursing homes Your views, your news Your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live